Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, September 22nd, 2018, and for the second time, we are out on a mini vacation and still podcasting for you. Yes. We're in the mountains in Breckenridge mm-hmm. in a lovely little cabin next to a stream, and it's lovely. And it was so serene. And yeah. now we're going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of taking the, the weekend off and just uh, enjoying a couple relaxing days, we are here to bring you all the terrible news of the week. Yep. Because that's how much we, we love you and care about you and know right. that you need your Travenridge <laughs> News Digest. Uh, so. so we like to believe. So here we go. The Brett Kavanaugh circus and fiasco soldiers on. I don't know where we left off last week. Uh, we had talked about the accuser. I think that had already sort of broken his accuser, yeah. Christine Blasey Ford. And whoa boy, was it a weird week on that front. Um, <clears throat> let's start with let's start with what happened yesterday. Um, yeah. Um, Trump, to this point, had somehow miraculously, up until yesterday, had not attacked the accuser. Right. Hadn't even mentioned it at all. Um, He had just mentioned his support. He's like, I support Brett Kavanaugh. We should get all the facts, blah, blah, blah. You know, just more subtly. But yesterday he finally just couldn't take it anymore and he came after her. Yeah. in, in, in sort of a measured way, but still attacking her. And, and one of his main points of attack was this old trotted out line. Oh, if this really happened or if this was really was as bad as she said, why didn't she report it at the time? Right. So that spurred a hashtag on Twitter. Why I didn't report. I think that was it. Why I didn't report it. Correct. So it didn't just spur a hashtag on Twitter. I mean, that's what it was. But yeah. it became an extension, I think, for me of the Me Too movement. Oh, yes. Which... You know, uh, it was really powerful and really, um, you know, it took over basically the news yesterday. And I, I think it's important to talk about it, not in terms of President Trump, but about when Me Too happened and all of the women on everyone's timeline started posting this hashtag Me Too. Um, that was the start of. I think a lot of men, decent men in particular, going, wait, what? Like, literally every woman that I've ever known? Yeah. Right? And it was this, like, what? What? No. What? Um, and this is the sort of uh, progression of that, right? This is the next step, which is to say, yes, all of us, and here's what happened, or here's why I didn't report what happened, or or here's the sort of emotional trauma that followed. Yeah. Um, and the stories were absolutely heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. And and some of them were beyond belief. Some of them yeah. were... I not mean, beyond belief. Not beyond yeah. belief, but just stopped you in your tracks. Like, I was eight and it was my uncle, right? right? Or it was the neighbor that everybody loved, or it was the town sheriff, or but I mean... That's the thing, though. I think... Women, we've always known these stories. Yeah. These are stories we talk about quietly amongst ourselves. These are the things that you know about the women in your life if you're a woman. You know these stories and you know why they didn't report. It's not even a question why, right? Mm -hmm. But you know these stories. And I think 
for men, and I think for you even, this was sort of shocking. And and some of the things, yeah. And and like what what? Oh God! And I think it's important that that happens because we've been keeping each other's stories sacred and holding them for each other forever since time immemorial, right? Yeah. We hold each other's stories and we hold each other's trauma and pain and it's just a part of being a woman. And this ripped open that wound publicly for a lot of people, but also I think it was really important for us to not just hold each other's stories, but to say, you get to face this now. You get to look at this, not just as one person, but the grand spectrum of pain and trauma that it means generally to be a woman yeah, and to make everybody look at it and say, this is the reality. And it's not a handful of people. It's not a hand. It's not just women either, but it's not a handful of people. And it's not, you know, 10% of the population. It's probably most of the women that, you know, no, and yeah. some of the men that, you know, that have experienced sexual assault or trauma or abuse in some way in their life. And most of them are not reported. And the other important key to this, I thought, was the women who and men who um, reported or, you know, used the hashtag and said, I did. And this is what happened. And those were worse in some ways. Oh, yeah. I reported. Nobody cared. I got blamed. Nobody believed me. I got sent off to a boarding school. Mm -hmm. Um I got shunned beaten by my by mom. My I got shunned yeah. by my town. I got, you there know. There was a, a story in that of the girl from Texas uh, that was in the Washington Post. And it's yeah. not an atypical story. No. no. You know? Yeah. And so, once again, we're faced with the reality that we're, we've been hiding for so long, right? Like, this is another one of those watershed moments where you say, okay, like, we're done with the, this is normal, this is okay, this is how things work, boys will be boys. And most of the stories, you know, Brett Kavanaugh sort of spawned all of this because Trump and all of that, but this needed to happen, right? Yeah. And we got to start really coming to terms with and, and contending with and wrestling with the problem of patriarchy and sexism and sexual assault and abuse. Um, and Trav, you got into a fight yesterday with somebody yeah i don't even know if i want to acknowledge that because it was so stupid no but but i think that there is this weird backlash that's happening right just like with me too which is like yeah oh well let's not go too far and mm -hmm. put all the men on the defensive or right i don't want to talk about the fight you had but the thing that you said which was men go read these things yes uh, yeah I, I think i posted on facebook and twitter i'm sure but i said yeah, men, check out this hashtag and read these stories. You need to absorb it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> again, it's because we we don't know the full extent of it. Why don't you talk about the statistics of how many out of how many actual sexual assaults happen? Mm -hmm. How many get resolved? Right. Where the the justice is done, basically. Right. So, out of a thousand sexual assaults that happen. Um, six men will see some kind of prison time. So 994 out of a thousand cases of sexual assaults that occur, 
nothing will be done. And that's something like 70% aren't even reported. Correct. And then from that, another however many percent, like authorities don't do anything. Or... Yeah. And then it gets to the DA and they don't <laughs> prosecute. And then once they prosecute, they don't get it. So it, it all boils down to six. And those are the cases, generally speaking, where, you know, there's some other like really intense violence that happened. It's a stranger. It's, you know, like. It's not enough to just rape a lady. Yeah. You know, it has to be the most extreme cases and it has to be, you know. um... Well, sometimes even the most extreme cases, nothing happens. Like the guy in Alaska. Yeah. It was announced yesterday. He kidnapped. Was it a coworker? I don't know. Uh, I think he kidnapped a coworker, um, um, masturbated on her, urinated on her, strangled her. He ends up getting no prison time. Right. Probation. He gets probation. Because the judge in the case, a white guy, Mm -hmm. shockingly, said the punishment enough was him losing his job. So, okay. Like. And then you say, why don't women report it? Yeah. Why would we? Why? I mean, reporting it doesn't just mean telling the police this happened. It is a re-traumatizing process of a million fold, multiple times. You got to go tell the police. You don't know if they're going to believe you. They probably won't. Then you go in for a rape exam, right? Rape kit. If you, you know, a report within. Uh, 24, 40 Yeah, hours. right? That's incredibly invasive and exhausting. Yeah, then you got to talk to. Yeah, re-traumatizing. You got to talk to the DA. Mm. If it even gets to the DA, right? Yeah. Go through the whole thing again. Then maybe there's a trial. And maybe you have to go on the witness stand. And then the defense attorney is going to come after you and blame you and try to talk about your sexual history and try to talk about were you drinking and what were you wearing and all of the things. And then maybe you got a jury of people who are like, well, she seems kind of slutty and they don't convict him. So the system is fundamentally broken and against us. I mean, there's just no the question, why didn't she report it? I think women laugh at because it's like, what kind of question is, why would we? Well, let's, let's switch to politics for a second, right? <clears throat> let's imagine, and I don't know if this is even going to happen and we'll get into the Kavanaugh stuff and what's happening and what might happen in a bit, but imagine she's on the stand next week and Orrin Hatch, well, why didn't you report it? Um, and then her having to explain to this idiot yeah. what that means and how that would look and all the women of this country, you know, being in unison. And, and I guess we can sort of jump into that now if you want, um, or if, I'm sorry, unless you had more to say in terms of where, what we were talking about, about why women don't report. Right. Well, I just think, you know, we laugh about it because it's like, that's not, <laughs> it's not how that works. And a lot of women who reported, um, a lot of them in retrospect, wish they never did. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. So many of the women who report sexual assault, um, in retrospect, wish that they never had. And then there's this weird, like, well, if you don't report it, then you're responsible for the next person that this man hurts. And it's like, no, because as we know, right, six out of a thousand, even if you report, nothing's going to happen to that guy. Mm -hmm. And I think it just boils down to the value of women's autonomy and bodily autonomy in particular that we place in our society, which is a man's career 
and his liberty and his um, reputation is more important than women's bodily autonomy yep. at all times. Yep. And that women are really um, meant that that our bodies really aren't ours and that they that men are entitled to them. And when men take that entitled position and rape women or hurt women or grope women or whatever it is, that's really not something to be taken that seriously because it was their body all along. It was never ours. It never has been. And that is borne out in the justice system and in the the way that we talk about it and the way that it's treated um, from, you know, just like a small town in Texas, like that Washington Post story, all the way through the mainstream media and the president of the United States. Yeah, let's let's switch gears to politics just a little bit. And I want to say, <clears throat> look, this is not a perfect, um, this is not a, a clean cut left right issue. Uh, it well, it be, shouldn't be. No, but it would be really easy for us to say the left is 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 pro is against rape culture and the right is for it. It's not that simple. Obviously, men who who call themselves liberal or democratic or are uh, democratic politicians commit these crimes, of course, these acts, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, not, it's not only gross white men who do these things. It's correct men of color or all kinds, you know, it's, it's whole thing. It's not just America. There's, this is horribly pervasive in places like India and Mm -hmm. the Middle East and Russia, uh, Russia and the Far East and everywhere. It's, it's a worldwide phenomenon. Doesn't matter the system of government, the ethnic makeup of the, of the population, the religion. This is, this is a worldwide phenomenon. It has to do with men and patriarchy. But for American politics for the moment, Republicans have now put themselves in a situation where they are emblematic of the struggle. And right now, at this second, it's in the persona of Brett Kavanaugh, who they're trying to approve to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And this is where stuff is getting tricky and got really, really, really weird this past week. When the news first broke, when Christine Blasey's Ford story came out, the initial reaction was sort of the typical what you'd expect. They went after her. They they said, "Oh, screw it. We're we're moving full steam ahead. Screw you. Whatever." Kavanaugh said this just absolutely did not happen. Just right. blanket categorical denial. And, and the first couple of days, it just seemed like they were going to blow right past this and just hurry on. Then some political strategist or or some people in Congress who knew better and got together and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We got a midterm coming up in five weeks. Uh, We are already getting pounded with women. There are a ton of women candidates on the ballot for the the Democrats. We cannot come out and just look that callous. We are going to make the situation so much worse, you guys. So they tried to split the difference in a really bizarre way. Yeah. You, you want me to explain this yeah, whole thing? Yeah, it's so fucking weird. So this guy named Ed Whelan, who's basically a, a right-wing hack uh, who writes for National Review Online. I, I don't know his full story, but that's his deal. A couple days ago, I was starting to tease this thing like, I have information. That could squash this whole thing. That's going to that's gonna put this all to bed, and it's going to exonerate Brett Kavanaugh. And everyone at first was kind of like, okay, whatever. How is that possible? But okay. Uh, but but then you had actual uh, people on the committee, senators on the committee, and like right wing talking heads 
and people started bubbling up and going, oh, yeah, oh, this thing is coming. And they went even a step further and said, this is going to look really bad for the Democrats. This is going to prove that they were that the fix was in, blah, blah, blah. And and everybody was like, let's see what this is all about. And what it turned out to be was this this bizarre plan wherein they wanted to say split the difference by saying okay yes something did happen to, to Christine Blasey Ford something uh, we believe something happened to her but she's got the wrong guy yeah and they went as far as to f- finger another guy who was a classmate of Brett Kavanaugh's by name yeah by name and with like a blueprint of his house because <laughs> it had stairs and and then was like, it's just that he's like his doppelganger, so she just, it's mistaken identity. It was bizarre. It was like a really, really bad InfoWars thing. Yeah. Uh, and to make matters worse, this guy that they pointed out was one of the guys that signed off on Kavanaugh as a character witness. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I haven't heard any comment from this guy yet. I'm sure he's huddled with a million lawyers and he's going to sue everybody's pants off. But like, and and then everybody ran away from it when when it it crashed. Well, when and, it came out, it was like they were like, "This is a good plan. This is going to be great. It's going to be great." And they rolled it out, and everyone was like, "Are you? Is this a joke?" And now they're all Are running away from it. Oh, me? we didn't know. I oh, mean, that we didn't know. That's what he meant. <laughs> we didn't think that was going to be the thing. No, but they. <clears throat> but like, they did. They did know. It, it's not. It's really interesting. It's not clear yet who was in the know and who. But they all. Like a lot of people seem to like Eric Erickson was big on it, and and these some of these other like so-called moderate conservative people were were saying, oh, this when this comes out, this is going to put all this stuff to bed, and it's like, wow, they really hatched this plan and thought it would work, and thought people would believe it, and there there is some. Not to mention, do you have any idea how fucking insulting that is? <laughs> oh God, how fucking insulting that is to her. No, no, no. You just, you got the wrong guy. You don't forget who the fucking guy was. And she said that right away. She said, no, I, I know who Kavanaugh is. I know who this other guy is. I know who it was. Of course she does. Yeah. When and- someone brings you into a room, throws you on a bed, puts their hand over your mouth and starts taking your clothes off against your will, uh, you you remember who that person is. And, and part of Promise. the thing was the guy showed like yearbook photos side by side where they had kind of a similar haircut, but... It was, they didn't look like, fuck alike. you, though. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck all you of them. You think I because, don't know. Because they all thought this would work. Yeah. And they all thought the public would go, oh, that makes sense. It's like it's like the reasonable doubt thing in a trial, except, like, it's really bad the way they did it. No. And, and it backfired, and then there's some circumstantial evidence that Kavanaugh may have been part of this plan. I mean, to throw his old buddy under the bus. Well, and I don't care about that, but I care. I mean, I guess I do, but... but That's but interesting. The, it is interesting, but the other thing that happened after this, once this blew up in their fucking faces, was this other section of Republican men who were like, well, you know, maybe it did happen, but who cares? It was 30 years ago, 36 years ago. Maybe they were just horsing around and she got the wrong impression and he didn't understand and they were drinking and like it's just boys will be boys and like it's fine. It's not oh, there's been let's a not make a big deal about this, right? Like this is stuff this is just dumb high school kid stuff that happens. How about that message? So let's remind everybody in case you forgot what <coughs> she's alleging happened. 
yeah, I, yeah, like I, like I just did. Like he took her into a room, closed the door. His buddy was with him, this fucking character, which we'll get into in a minute. Turned up the music to um, cover her screaming. Put his hand over her mouth. At the time, she felt because um, he was so drunk that he might cover her mouth and nose and inadvertently kill her. Um, she was afraid for her life and then started trying to rip her clothes off of her body um, so that he could rape her. Um, now, I, I don't know about you, but <coughs> that's not a thing that any of the men in my life <laughs> did in high school thinking it was just like horsing around. That's certainly nothing I ever did in high school. Right. So this notion that like, well, this is just, you know, this is normal. <coughs> does two things. One, when young women, right, preteens and teenage girls, all of whom have cell phones and are connected through social media, see their dads and their dad's friends and their brothers and their all of these men around them and all of these important high-powered Republican lawmakers and people say, this is what happens and it's okay. Men are allowed to do this to you. What kind of fucking message does that send? And what kind of fucking message does that send to those boys? Boys. Yeah. This is an okay thing. We are fine it's, with this. This is normal this teenage... This is normal teenage behavior. Well, that, that's the gross part about it, right? Because I, I would imagine that 99 out of 100 of these gross men who have young daughters and their daughter came and said, so-and-so did this to me, they'd go grab their shotgun. Yeah. Or call and or call the cops or whatever. They wouldn't be like, oh, he was just oh, horsing well, around. Oh, well, what were you doing there? Why were you drinking? They, well, what? they might. The mom might say that, or somebody might say that. But they'll be they'll be pissed and they'll want to blow shoot that kid's nuts off. Yeah. And then they want to turn around and say boys will be boys for the sake of political expediency. Right. And because there's that empathy gap, they really believe boys will be boys, mm-hmm. unless it's their daughter. Yeah. Which is unimaginable to me. Yep, absolutely right about that. So, so it's just horrifying and it's I don't, I don't know. I just I feel like this is one of those you know, this is not I'm not going to fight this battle. It's not my battle to fight. Right? Like I'm not really getting in the weeds and arguing with people. It's not it's not my battle. It's yours. I can't, um, women did what they needed to do by saying, here's, you know, ripping open their old wounds and saying, this is what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. Now fucking fix it. Cause it's not, I can't make anybody feel differently or think differently. They're not going to listen to me. And I don't, well, I will hold their stories like I always have. Yeah. And we will hold each other up and y'all better fucking fix this. Do something because we're done with the silence and with the, yeah, no. And let's talk about, again, the politics of what this looks like. And this is, this is a, a crazy bind that now McConnell and uh, the Republicans find themselves in. And I don't know what they're going to do. And I'm still of the notion that they're just going to ram the th- ram it through and deal with the consequences. And I'll explain why. Um, you had McConnell yesterday morning saying, oh, screw it. This isn't going to stop us. He's getting confirmed and you guys can suck it. He said that in front of a group of 
horrible, gross evangelical union of rapists or whatever. Um, and, and this is the problem in any other normal world, they'd give up on this guy. This, this is too toxic. This is too, you know, so close to an election. We're already in trouble. We, we gotta, we gotta set this guy loose. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) but (laughs) the problem with that is this is Trump's handpicked guy and he's Trump's handpicked guy because his opinions on presidential power and president being sort of extra uh, above the law are or is what he desperately needs as you know the Mueller stuff heats up and it's very likely that Trump and or his family is going to be hauled into courtrooms mm-hmm. in the uh, not too distant future or Trump himself, or the question is going to be, can Trump himself being a sitting president be indicted? <laughs> and Brett Kavanaugh is of the opinion based on all, all his writings on the subject seems to be no, he can't. So Trump wants and needs him to be the guy. Um, and Trump isn't going to let that go very easily. I'm sure they're coming to Trump and saying, we got to We got to cut this guy loose, man. This is too toxic. It's too much. We're already in big trouble, and Trump is saying, "I don't care. He needs to be on the Supreme Court." You know. I think it's that. I also think that's part of it. There, yeah. I think they also understand that the midterms are coming up, and they're going to lose very badly. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of it too, right? We need our pick on the Supreme Court to have this like sort of super majority, so that we win everything for a generation. But also. Because when we take back the House and the Senate, or at least one of those chambers, um, there will be investigations and indictments and all kinds of things. And so they really need him to be there. But also, uh, if they wait much longer, they may not get somebody confirmed before the midterms. And then there's the risk. And then if there's you, the risk. If they do lose the Senate, then they won't get anybody through. That's correct. Well, uh, in theory, they they could find somebody who's gross to the right and sort of moderate, and you'd probably get some Democrats. And Merrick but, Garland has said that he's still down. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be a pretty easy confirmation process. Yeah, I don't think Trump's going to uh, do that. But anyway, look, here's problem number two for them: the bind. They have propped this guy up to to be. You know, this, for, you know, despite them running away from this idea that he's going to overturn Roe v. Wade, that's exactly why he's so high on the list. And the evangelicals know it. And as even before the Christine Blasey Ford stuff came out, they said all, all the roadblocks to getting this wonderful Brett Kavanaugh confirmed is this cabal of these horrible abortionist left wing Hillary Clinton source in, inspired mob. Mm-hmm. And we can't let them do that. So now, if they do that, they've caved into the mob. And guess what? The evangelicals are saying, you better not give up on Kavanaugh. That's our guy. You sold us on him. We want him. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also think the rest of the shortlist is as bad or worse in terms of... It doesn't matter. He's a symbol now. <coughs> He's a symbol of the fight, of of the left, right, the uh, pro-choice, pro-life... Pro Trump, 
pro uh, left wing cabal. He he has become a figurehead and a symbol now, and 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 they don't they don't care if the second choice is, you know, uh, Heydrich Himmler or uh, <laughs> you know Billy Graham himself in the flesh or like he's their guy and now they've dug in and that's a problem. And that is why Mitch McConnell got up there yesterday. Oh no, 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 don't worry. We're going to shove him through. We're going to ram him through right down the throats of those gross liberals. You guys in, in front of the coalition of, you know, even evangelical, um, monsters or whatever he was yesterday. Like, yeah, this is a problem. I have it on good authority that, um, Brett Kavanaugh is seriously considering withdrawing. That would be the smart thing to save his legacy and any future he has either A, on the bench. I mean, he's still in trouble as far as like his future on the bench period. Correct, because this. he's potentially also um, perjured himself in yes. prior confirmation hearings. Um, but no, I uh, have a weird connection that I can't explain on the podcast. But um, to somebody who knows somebody who knows him and his family from back in the day... And they believe pretty strongly that he's very seriously considering uh, withdrawing his his name from nomination. Um, well, he'd be insane at the not to, at the right? great uh, pressure of his wife and his family. Well, um, that's really interesting too, and we probably can't get into all that. Not exactly, but but I, let's but just say that this. is a conversation that I had let, the other let, day, and I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Let's just say this: his wife and Christine Blasey Ford know each other very well. Yeah. They were neighbors. They're, oh, we can go as far to say that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're kind of breaking a little news right now because I have not heard that reported anywhere, but we happen to know, and, and I'm not talking like they were in the same neighborhood. We're talking like a door or two down. Yeah. They neighbors. were neighbors. But this is prior Brett Kavanaugh entering his wife's life. So they, she yeah, didn't make she was the not connection. No, no, no. Yeah. She wasn't even dating him at the time. So like they were like neighbors and there was no Brett Kavanaugh in the picture and then... Now here we are, which is just I think fascinating. But um, now we don't know the extent of their relationship, but right. we do know that Christine Blasey Ford, in terms of anybody who's been a coworker, neighbor, acquaintance, friend, just talks about her with nothing but the highest regard. Absolutely for her integrity, yeah, for her honesty, yeah, for her character. Her character. Just, she's a stand-up lady. Yeah, nominate her for the fucking Supreme Court. Right, right. <laughs> she's exactly. not a lawyer. She's a like a psychotherapist or something. Yeah, but, or a professor. Um, and, but that's interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, you know, Kavanaugh would have to be nuts to not be seriously considering withdrawing, but he's getting pressure from the other side. He's a symbol for the evangelicals. He's the guy Trump wants. Uh, they'll never get another, they, they won't be able to put somebody up there and ram it through before, um, before the midterms, it doesn't seem likely. And then they lose the risk with the slight chance they lose the Senate and then they'll not get anybody through. So this is a horrible bind. Now, Christine Blasey Ford's uh, attorney is negotiating with the committee to testify next week. And they're trying to hammer that out. But if they can't have her get up there and testify, that would be a goddamn nightmare. I mean... It's Anita Hill on steroids. I mean, Anita Hill is like, they've already treated her more badly than I felt I was treated. But, but, the, but again, there's people who are, who have, who have learned, even if Orrin Hatch and Chuck Rassley haven't learned anything from that, 
Like there Sorry, are. I need a hill. Did I say I need a Ford? No, you said I need a hill. Okay, good. The people working for them have learned, and they're like. There's no fucking way we're doing another Anita Hill five weeks before the election and women are already going to clean our clock. Are yeah. you insane? Right. And, and you know, I'm sure Orrin has it. Oh, I'll just, we'll, we'll show this little lady what's what and we'll poke holes in her story and we'll tell her what. And it's like, no, you fucking idiot. Yeah. You will lose the Senate. Yeah. And so their plan is to have a neutral prosecutor person? No, What's their plan, plan is horrifying because of exactly what you just said. They cannot be on camera saying these things to this lady. They want to. They don't. Everyone's like, you can't fucking do that. You cannot. Because the, the just, just record it and put it out as an ad and then everybody loses. So their stupid, bullshit, cowardly fucking plan is to hire outside counsel... To come in and ask her all of those questions so that their face is not the face asking it. It's some fucking lawyer. A lady lawyer. Probably. Yeah. Right. Asking all these horrible gross questions so that there isn't footage of congressional Republican men victim blaming and slut shaming and all the things that they're going to do to this woman. Right. They're going to hire somebody else to ask those questions for them. And we got to get real, real creative and really, really smart about how we look at this and how we frame it and how we put it in the public mind. Well, right. And now Chris, Christine Blasey Ford is in a position that she did not expect to be in. And mm-hmm. she is. And and that's an amazing amount of pressure. And, and you know, think about her and, and, and her family's getting death threats and Yep. And so is Kavanaugh's family too. People are just gross and crazy, and and it's like they they the only thing they know how to go to is the death threat when they're upset with something, right? Um, and people on our side do it too because fucking hell, um, they're not really on our side, right? When it comes down to that, in my opinion. But in any event, like she is now finding herself in the position of like the voice for all these women, all the women, and and she never signed on for that. No, she's just like. This guy did this thing and him being him being confirmed to the Supreme Court is wrong and re-traumatizing personally for me and is really, really bad really for women. Really, really bad for women. And I think she's a fucking hero. Let, let, let's talk about something else, too, because a lot of Republicans, oh, you just had it in the you, this is just a conspiracy. You just brought this lady out of the woodwork. Like, hold on a second. No. What about Alito and Gorsuch and Roberts? Did. Did any accusers come forward there? No. And and we know people who have been in law classes with Gorsuch and talk about what a what a fucking reptile he is and they wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire, but they're not claiming like he's a sex pervert that right. tried to rape them. Right. He's just an asshole. Yeah. And then I've known lawyers who know him who think he's great. Who think he's just like a super nice stand-up guy. So it's, I mean, who cares? Well, you but, know what? Fuck the nice stand-up guy <coughs> thing. Remember after Kavanaugh got nominated and we had those pieces like, I'm a super feminist lawyer and Brett Kavanaugh is great because he has a carpool and a girls basketball team. Like, right. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Which, by the way, now all that Kavanaugh hanging out with all the young girls all the time is a little creepy mm-hmm. in light of, I, I don't know, I'm just saying in light of this new re- revelations. But... Yeah, and some of his comments that he made, like, oh, he was at some speech at Georgetown and being like, what happens at Georgetown stays at Georgetown, and that's a good thing for all of us. And you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it is. But you wish that was true. He was in a secret society at Yale called the Tits and Clit something. 
Yeah. And this dude, right? So it was not just him and her alone in this room. It was him and her and this dude. Who, who's a wacko. Wacko, right? Mark Judge. Yeah. He's this crazy fucking... I mean... Well, hold on a go. Because a week ago, remember, when he was named, he came right out and said, I am not testifying. Yeah. I am not doing I'm it. I'm not doing Fuck anything. Y'all. Nope. And now we know why. Yeah. <laughs> so if you dig into him at all, um, he's been a, a sweetheart of... Um, the far right. Yeah, for a while. And I think we've even covered him briefly, uh, not knowing any of this, of course, but he has this like blog where he writes about women and about being a Christian man oh. and about... Um, what women should be like and what's wrong with women and also about what's racial stuff. Liberalism and, like, and liberalism makes priests rape children. Yeah, and, and, and just all the feminism makes women completely undateable because they're not submissive like women from the Far East because he once had this girlfriend and she was from India and she was submissive and she We're not was, making this up. I'm not kidding. This, this is all is public domain. Low, yes. Um... And, like, he just longs for the days gone by where women would just, like, be happy and and not be mad about things. And when he would take them to a dance concert... What is a dance concert? Uh, uh, I don't know. The, he was like, I took my girlfriend to a dance concert. And is that she what was, they used to call a rave back then? I mean, I don't know. What is a dance concert? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I think back, like, in the, in the olden days, although he's not old enough probably to remember this. Oh, he's, like, in his 50s. Yeah, but, like, in the 50s and 60s, like... You would go see Bill Haley in the comments, and everybody would dance. Everybody would do the sock hop dance thing. Yeah, he's not old enough playing. for that. So I think that's what he's talking about. But that's a, not a dance concert. I don't know what a dance concert is. Anyway. I think that's what he's talking about. But yeah, like she would be like, "Oh my gosh, the music is beautiful." And now the women that are that are the white women in the West who like want rights or whatever are just killjoys, and they don't enjoy anything, and they don't know how to have beauty and class, and they. You know, talk too much, they dress and they, in black they and just yell at everything, and they, you they, know, all they do is they capture the spider. So dance he's not Depeche mode. Yeah, he's not going to date us, by the way, ladies. Mark Judge uh, doesn't want to date you, so I'm really sorry to break that news to you. You are undateable uh, for this particular man. So is he still so, single? Is that what the? I, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. So this is the guy who was in the room with Brett Kavanaugh, like turning up the music while Brett Kavanaugh's got his fucking hand over her mouth and nose. And then he's also off. the one that sort of piled on them and knocked them to the floor so she could escape too, I think. Weirdly. Yeah. So I don't know what, what well, he Well, I think he was to trying to get in on it, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. And then she was able to escape, thank fucking God. Not that it's not completely traumatic what happened. Um, right. But yeah, so that's, that's the person that was in the room. And, uh, it's just interesting like your views about women almost always coincide with your treatment of women funny how that works yeah right yeah yeah <laughs> men who have that sort of like level of hatred of women as a just a general whole uh typically you know Things well, things come forward later that are like, oh, it's such not shocking at all. Well, that's another problem because last week I think it was Grassley and some of the others were like, okay, well, we'll get her to testify and we'll get Mark Judge to testify. And Mark Judge was like, no, 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 uh-huh. I'm not testifying. And now they're not saying that anymore because now they're seeing all the shit that's coming out about him and who he is. Yeah. But they could subpoena him, but they don't want to do that. So. But they, it's, they'd have to. He was an eyewitness. 
to a thing that and then and then Diane Feinstein or whoever would read everything you just read. Yeah. In stark detail. Yeah. And oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um so that's kind of so where we are. So when you have these kind of bedfellows you find yourself in interesting binds, don't you? When these are the people that you associate with and you refuse to say that's not correct and you're a garbage gross misogynist piece of shit, you're just like, "Oh yeah, he's he's my buddy." Uh, when that happens, then that's the price you pay when you surround yourself with fucking garbage people. I don't feel sorry for any of them. You know, and again, I go back to this. I mentioned this last week, but God, what they must have known because. Yep. That's the thing. At, Being like, oh, Democrats just came at the last minute with this. Isn't that convenient? And you're like, no, 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 well, you fucking knew. Hold on. What I, yeah. Well, what I meant was specifically, we know now that McConnell and, and others Went to Trump and said, not, not him. Yeah. It, on pretty much anybody else on this list, not him. And everybody at the time suspected it was, oh, I guess his views on presidential power are just too hot right now. Mm-hmm. No bullshit. He would have been confirmed easily. Yeah. And like, we would have complained, but so what? Yeah. Like, no, I think they knew like, no, there's shit in uh, this guy's They definitely past. knew because they produced a letter of 65 women within With 24 the- <laughs> hours saying he's a good Man, yeah, yeah. good man. Yeah, did not rape me. Must not have raped anyone. Right? We talked about this last. So, uh, like, there's which which means there's probably more than just Blasey Ford out there. Yeah. So, that's where we're at. I don't know how this ends up. It, it, in any normal universe, like he's done. But this is not a normal universe. This is this is Trump and the Republican Party of 2018. I still think the odds are they just ram his ass through next yeah. week. Yeah. Me too. For sure. Unless he's just, he's, it's not worth it. It's too yeah. Unless he's toxic. just like, I can't, just like, I'm going to get divorced if I, you know? I mean, the, the only way that's sure is if, if all the Democrats and Collins and Murkowski just came out and said, no, nah, then they don't have the votes, but there's, they're acting like they've got the votes. Well, I don't see Suzanne Collins saying anything other than... No, she's tap dancing. Well, oh, I'm so appalled that. by what the president said. So appalled that you're going to do fucking nothing. Yeah. You're going to vote for this motherfucker. This and, piece of shit fucking rapist. Well, we, yes, we definitely should have the hearings, but I don't. I, I still think he's a great guy. It's like, yeah, she, she would have to come out and say, and she's getting a lot of pressure yep, back she home. Um, she, it always has to be like pressure dialed up to 10,000 for her to do the right thing. Yep. Uh, or even act like she's going to do the right thing. But in this case, like it would take all the Democrats, which not all the Democrats have done yet, by the way, I, I think at this point, at it's this hard to point, imagine any course, Democrat. Fuck you. Just like well, last we'll, week, you know, height. The height women will or, literally come burn your house down. Yeah. No, you will vote not to yeah. confirm this man. But period. He, at this point, I think the only way for sure he drops out is if it's announced over the next t- couple of days that he does not even have the votes. Because testifying on having Christine Blasey Ford come testify is not going to help that situation. No. Right. And what I suspect they're trying to do or want to do is get get the thing hung up in negotiations. Say we tried to get her to testify, but she just refuses and she won't. The problem with that, that doesn't work either because then you just go to 60 minutes. Yeah. And, and then and then they're not able to ask any questions. Right. So they're screwed. Uh, we're screwed one way or another because I, I still think no matter what happens, they'll hold on to the Senate most likely. I don't, but eh, uh, don't get your hopes up. I would say don't get your hopes up. I think we're, we've got the House, and hopefully by a lot. But the Senate is gonna—it's just gonna be tough. 
It's it's as much as the new voters come out, like our our base just doesn't show up for midterms, and, and we still take for granted that so many people are paying attention, fired up by this. Yes, a lot of people are, but no, enough to counter the fact that you know the old white evangelicals are showing up. I just don't know. I I I still think. W- Look, yeah, they're going to bring in some other garbage person who's not a rapist and is going to overturn Roe and do all these horrible things and they will get confirmed after the midterms. And then we have to make them pay in 2020 with even more, you know. Then we stack the court. Stack the court. Yeah, well, that's another discussion. But I don't know how this ends up, but my gut tells me it's still going to be Kavanaugh. And he'll be severely damaged, but who cares? Doesn't he matter. Still gets the He's never going to have to run for anything ever again. He's never have to get confirmed ever again. It doesn't matter. If he gets confirmed, it's game over. Yeah, I mean, Th- Thomas is still there doing his worst. Yep. Didn't didn't change anything. I mean, no. it changed things, but it didn't change anything on the Supreme Court. No. He still gets to vote just like everybody else. Yeah, and and he's even worse because him and his wife have all these horrible conflicts of interest yes. that no one's done anything about. No, he just still keeps on voting. Okay, so uh, we'll talk more about this after the break. Some new stuff in the Trump-Russia things and maybe a little bit of local Colorado flavor that Rachel wants to talk to you about Yeah, with the elections coming up here. So uh, don't go anywhere. Be right back. Back to Irreverent Testimony. We do have a little bit of breaking news. Um, there's been a sort of partial kind of agreement uh, for Christine Blasey Ford to testify in front of the committee next week. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh my God, she's going to testify. But it's, it's not that clear. Not cut. Cut, no. Uh, let me read the letter. From Dear, her attorneys. Yes. Dear Miss Willie, and Miss Willie represents the committee, I guess. Um, Dr. Ford accepts the committee's request to provide her first-hand knowledge of Brett Kavanaugh's sexual misconduct next Which week. Which also does not mean testifying, by the way. No, it could be, well, it could be behind closed doors or right. written or whatever. Right. Although many aspects of the proposal you provided via email on September 21st, 2018 at 2.33 p.m. are fundamentally inconsistent with the committee's proposal promise of a fair and partial investigation into our allegations, and we are disappointed with the leaks and the bullying that have tainted the process, we are hopeful that we can reach agreement on details. Can we set up a time later this afternoon to continue our negotiations? Signed, Deborah S. Katz and... Lisa Banks and copied is Michael R. Bromwich, which is interesting because he's the former inspector general. Uh, he also represents McCabe. Okay. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that just means like she's not saying no. She's just saying you, this is not what we talked about. Um, and you got to remember like among lawyers, this is what happens, right? You try to reach an agreement about something, whether it be a litigation or a contract or whatever. And every side tries to push more, um, 
for their favor and it takes a long time that's why lawyers are so expensive yeah because they talked for an hour and a half and then they came back with this proposal that includes one third of the things they agreed on and two thirds of them are garbage things that they said absolutely no to and then they come back and say well that's not what we agreed to and then they come back with you know their yeah, version yeah. of that and, and so just it's just how it works and that's when things republicans are really grumpy about why did they wait so long process they fucked up our timeline and yeah yes it's too fucking bad right it's a lifetime appointment you can yeah well it's a couple more days yeah i i know it doesn't work for you politically but you know well i do not care about that like if that's the best you gotta process arguments then okay yeah i mean you know, let's see how that flies in the court of public opinion. And they know it's going to fly badly and they're super pissed off and they're right. grumpy at Feinstein. And it's like, <laughs> no. I, I don't know what Feinstein could have done differently, though, because, you know, Blasey Ford up until very recently wanted anonymity. She yeah. didn't want to go public with it. Can you blame her? No. We, as we discussed in detail in the first <laughs> half of the show. No, we cannot. No, we cannot. So, you know, but you argue, well, then why even write this letter if she didn't want it? It's like. You know, you can't win for losing, and her being assaulted was not her fault. Nope. It was Brett Kavanaugh's fault. Correct. Period. Yep. That's the only thing to say about that. Yeah. So if you want to harangue her and the Democrats for their timing during these negotiations, fine. You you make that case, and you see if the public goes with you. And at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that the one responsible for the fact that we now have a big sexual assault drama in the midst of a Supreme Court nomination is because of the perpetrator of the crime. Right. The Supreme Court nominee himself yes. is the problem. Period. Right. So, yeah. So, it'll be a wild week next week, and I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, and all the savvy pundits out there that are giving you their two cents, they don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Nope. Uh, maybe they'll try another, like it was aliens, you know, or... It was the Illuminati, or I, I saw Jean Perro. Christine Blasey Ford doesn't really exist. No, she's Jean, just a crisis actor. Good old, or... good old Judge Janine was on Fox News the other night saying that perhaps, her, and this was going back to the to the '80s uh, child molestation craze when when some really badly flawed psychiatric techniques uh, or interview techniques were. We're getting a lot of innocent people accused of molesting kids. Remember all that? The satanic panic was the part of that, too. The satanic panic, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess Jeannie Pirro was, was doing a throwback to that and saying that maybe Blasey Ford's psychiatrist hypnotized her and 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 put it in her head that this happened. Fuck you. She is just delightful, that Judge Janine. I mean, fucking traitor. <laughs> and you know, she is... You know, Trump very badly wants her as AG. What? Or something. God. Just, I can't. Probably. I can't. Well, he wanted her on his legal team, and then these people were like, fuck no. Stop. She's not a real, like... I mean, I can't believe they didn't say that to she's Rudy, but... a serious but, person, but whatever. Yeah. Who cares? I don't care. The fucking Snoopy be your lawyer. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Nobody can save this man. All right. Well, speaking of that... It, it uh, appears, this isn't huge news, but it was broken as huge news, that Michael Cohen is really uh, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and making all the connections, not just with uh, Trump and his uh, and the campaign's contact with the Russians, 
but also like all the Trump Foundation stuff and all their ties to Russia and money laundering and the Russian right. mob. Oh, fuck. We didn't even talk about Manafort. Was there a Manafort thing this week? Yes. Okay. So oh, he flipped even a little more. <laughs> the This is the crazy thing, right? So the um, plea agreement that they reached includes this language that I'm going to pull up really quick about um, his cooperation with the Mueller investigation. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to Sandy about it. And you. Um, our Sandy's... Uh, She's been on the podcast before you guys, I'm sure, remember Super lawyer. how amazing she is. Um, uh, so when things like this come out, I like to be like, hi, lawyer. Um, this is <laughs> really is, fucked what up, does right? This mean? <laughs> this and is she's really usually like, up. yeah, this is fucked up. Holy shit. What the fuck are you saying? Um, so just give me one second and I'll pull it up. But essentially, he uh, agreed to a plea deal. Oh, yeah, that was this week. That was this week. <laughs> And, and it's a fully cooperating plea agreement, which nobody sort of expected, but also I think, uh, you know. Well, if, we didn't expect it a couple weeks ago. I, I, now I don't think it's as shocking. Where is it? I thought that was last week, but okay, we can we can get back into it because it's, it's in the vein of what we were talking about. So remember, Paul Manafort... Was found, yeah, we did talk about this last week. Paul Manafort was found guilty of 10 of the 18 charges in the first trial in Virginia, and he's got a second trial in DC. He was already convicted, and he didn't want to go through all that again and look at even more jail time. So he finally realized, okay, I, I gave it a shot. Hopefully, you know, tried to wiggle my way out of it. That didn't work. Now it's time to cooperate with, with Mueller, basically. Yes, but the thing that I guess I can't find it because there's too many texts here, but um, the thing that was shocking about it was that he relinquished his right to have counsel present when being uh, deposed and giving testimony to the Mueller investigation about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Talk about how nuts that is. That's fucking crazy. (laughs) What? You don't do that. No. I mean, what that means essentially is that he's going to go in a room without his lawyer and he's going to tell them whatever things they ask. And his lawyer doesn't have the right to sit in there and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's self-incriminating. That's something that they could charge you with another crime for, right? Yeah. That's the point of having your lawyer present is like, you know, dig all the dirt up on Trump. That's fine. But don't if this is shit that they don't know that you did, they're going to charge you with more things. Unless, and none of that's covered got, under the plea agreement. Well, unless he got it's blanket not. immunity. He didn't. It's not and he didn't. And... The other really interesting piece, and when Sandy's reaction to that was like, holy fuck, in a million years, never, ever would I ever, ever, ever allow that for one of my clients, ever. So no. why is he doing that? Because he, that's, he's fucked. He's <laughs> fucked. He's completely fucked. And the really interesting part, too, is that his sentencing um, is being delayed until after his full cooperation is completed. So the two things about that. One... That means that they have control over how long he serves jail time for, Mm -hmm. depending on how cooperative he is. Mm -hmm. If he's not that cooperative, then fuck him and whatever he told them, great, but you just go to jail forever. If he's super cooperative, then maybe he doesn't go to jail at all. Secondarily, though, and this is the key, this is how fucked he is. He's in jail this whole time. That's right. They didn't let him out. That's right. So he has to sit in jail throughout 
this process until it is complete throughout this entire process until the process is complete and cooperate with them and his sentence is on the line and he doesn't get to have his lawyer present that means he did so much bad shit well we know that i mean but he's so fucked right yeah and so and and you would think now we don't know this for sure you would think for him to get this deal even that it's not a great deal like he's got to have the goods on Trump or somebody or Trump Jr. or Roger Stone or somebody. Right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, um, why even bother with the deal? No, they wouldn't. If he's so fucked that he is allowing himself to stay in jail, not have his lawyer present and have his sentence be on the line for his cooperation. That means that they have all the dirt on him. And if they have all the dirt on him, then they don't need. They could just throw him in jail forever. Right. Yeah. So he has something that they want. Yeah. But it, it, I don't know if his lawyer's just really bad at their job or like how no, bad it is. No, he's got good lawyers. How bad it is. He's that, got good like at, at least if you're going to fully cooperate with an investigation like this, at least they're usually like, you know, throughout your cooperation, you're not in jail. Like you're, you know, house arrest and with the ankle monitor and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they didn't even allow that. So he's just going to sit in jail for however long this thing plays out, which is usually a thing that people are like, at least if I'm not in jail, I'll do whatever you say. But he's just going to sit there. Uh, at this point, he may feel like he's it may safer be, in That's jail. the other thing I was going to say. It may be for his protection. Yeah. Because now that he's fully cooperating and it's known that he's fully cooperating, the Russians are going to try to yeah, kill he, him. He's for not sure. in Riker's gen pop. Like they, they have him probably in a pretty secure facility, uh, I would imagine. So... Right. No, his life is at risk, at great risk right now. So is Michael Cohen's. Uh, the Russians do not like this kind of thing, and they will poison you. They, they don't, but at the end of the day, you're talking about Americans getting in trouble. Um, and not so much them. Like, yes, yeah, they, they can but, be indicted and put on lists, and you have more sanctions. But, like, you know, Putin welcomes some of that. Like a lot of his popularity is based on standing up to the West and standing up to America. Right. But it's also on the basis of like, we aren't doing anything wrong and we're fine and we're perfect. And if this guy who has very um, intimate knowledge of the crimes that the Kremlin and uh, Putin and his crew are committing and he's going to make that public knowledge, um, the Russian people are going to find out about that. And, and it hurts his reputation. And it hurts uh, his image. Yeah, and but in Russia, you can always just spin that as it's a bunch of American lies and blah, blah, blah. I know, whatever. but I don't... I, that's a, I, I don't, I, I don't think they're worried about the Russian people saying, oh, we did this bad thing in America. Like, do Americans ever care when we do all this black ops, illegal, international shit anywhere else? Like, So you think that his that. life is not at risk at all and the Russians don't care? Oh, he's going to tell all of their secrets, it, including financial things. I think that's not true. I think if they're they could get to him, pissed they, off. If they could get to him, they would, yeah. And but they always knew it was a it's risk. Not, it's not just about that either. It's about deterrence. It's about sending a message. Mm -hmm. It's about it's mob style, right? They're just a mob. And the mob says, if you rat, regardless if it has consequences for us, we're going to fucking kill you because we want to send a message to everybody else who has sensitive information that about us can't flip, that yeah. you can't fucking flip. And if you do, you're dead. Well, here, here's the thing. It, that's 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 the bigger picture that everybody forgets here. The the Russian meddling and the and working with the Russian mob and Putin 
predates the whole Trump orbit way before the election, way before he decided to run for president. Mm-hmm. This is decades. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael Cohen has his own personal stuff with nothing to do with Trump, with the taxi medallions and real estate and all this other shit he's been doing that's been a front for Russian mob money. So there's a lot. <laughs> God, there, I, I still think like we're not going to be surprised. So much of this country is going to be so dumbstruck and, and dumbfounded when the full breadth of, of everything that this this cabal of, of people have done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it got real weird yesterday. Well, let's talk about Cohen first, because it was announced a couple days ago, I guess, that that Cohen is really just, he has been talking to Mueller like the whole time, even before we knew there was cooperation. And he's telling, he's essentially telling them everything, 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 where there was still some speculation about that, maybe. Okay. About how far he was going. Uh, and Trump's very worried about that. And shit got weird yesterday, even beyond all the Kavanaugh stuff. And and I, since we were here, like eating fondue and relaxing, <laughs> we didn't we weren't glued to MSNBC, and we didn't have time to digest all of it. Uh, but let's talk about some of the weirdness that happened yesterday. So the New York Times broke a story Ugh. that purported that. Rod Rosenstein had talked about wearing a wire or having somebody wear a wire and invoking the 25th Amendment because Trump is so crazy and out of control. Then some people who were close to the the events of this happening actually said, well, he was just being sarcastic. It was McCabe who was worried about all this. And then Rosenstein kind of said in jest, what do you want to do, wear a wire? Uh, But whatever, to me, the bigger story is like, Yet there's more people that say that the president is so sh- out of control that like <laughs> we need to do crazy shit to keep the world from blowing up. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a bigger story. But in any event, then shit got weird because uh, immediately a lot of the right wing sphere and Laura Ingraham in particular went full on. You got to fire Rosenstein right now. It's, you know, fire him, fire him, fire him, you know, and then ostensibly that is the first domino to fall in Trump trying to unravel the entire Mueller investigation, which is what people figured was, was yeah. coming and that they, they were the sources for the new, like we're no one's really sure. And it, it's sort but of to a, break that down. What we're saying is that this big New York times story, which turned out to be a lot of fucking nothing. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's nothing or not. I'm going to go that far. I I don't know how much nothing it is. Okay. But the point of it isn't that, like, Rosenstein wanted to tap whatever. It's really just cover for President Trump trying to force his ouster. Yeah, it's part of the deep state narrative. Right. That, for whatever reason, the New York Times decided to, you know, get into. Right. Um, And then it got weird, right? Then... Hannity comes on and a bunch of other the the, the right wing foxes sphere starts hyperventilating and jumping up and down and basically talking directly to Donald Trump on their shows and saying, do not fire Rosenstein. It's a trap. It's a setup. They, they want you to do this. That and and like, I don't I, I don't know the machinations of that or or. Or, or what what's the, the conspiracy there because then it's obstruction then then it's more fodder for obstruction or then some of the squeamish Republicans might turn on you and that makes impeachment more likely I don't I don't know I don't know I, I'm speculating because I don't watch Hannity and I'm not gonna go back and watch but I know he said that and a bunch of other right wingers on on Twitter and everybody started saying that 
So just saying, no, 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 don't fire Rosenstein. It's a setup. It's a trap. <laughs> so like, I don't uh, know what's going on. I yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I think it's like every man for himself, and everybody's got their own pet theories. And like we always talk about the Republicans, how, and I think that the going back to the Kavanaugh thing for a minute, it, it, it's a supreme example. Even though this was a bad idea and it blew up with the whole Ed Whelan thing. Like you could see in the hours before how like all the the senators and the staffers and the right wing pundits were all on message and they were gearing up yeah yeah like yeah. like yeah. It, like they fucked it up this time but but like that's something we never do right like they always do it yeah but in the age of Trump like I don't really think that they're doing that because Trump is such a wild card they well can't. yeah he'll just come out and say the opposite thing <laughs> yeah. To his, like his press secretary will have the message from the White House, and five minutes later, he's like, just directly saying the opposite thing. Yeah, so yeah. it's really hard to be on message when the fucking leader of your party just says the opposite of what the message is. What 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 might have happened here? It could have been <clears throat> Kellyanne or the, one of the kids or something. Their source at the New York Times called Maggie Haberman or Michael Schmidt and and gave him the scoop on their own. On their own volition. And this shit happens in White Houses before. For sure. Uh, I remember uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, John and Bobby Kennedy were, were, were working back angles and floating stuff to the press without vetting it for their people and driving everybody crazy. Yeah. Um, so, like, it could have been very possible this was a rogue person or two that said, okay, this will distract from the Kavanaugh story and do something. And then some maybe more level-headed people smarter said, this 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 could go really bad. Yeah. If he gets too hot-headed and just fires Rosenstein based on this and it's kind of thin, it's supposedly somebody heard that somebody heard that he said something about something but never actually did it. But was it. kind of in sarcasm anyway, yeah, like in jest, like, and so what? What? Yeah, yeah. that and he fires Rosenstein over that. That could really blow up on us Yeah, and be a big, big problem. Yeah. Uh, so they, they circled the wagons enough to say, all right, put the brakes on, no. So then it kind of died at its own hand, Yeah. the story. Right. I mean, it's still in the right wing fever swamps and Twitter. They're still frothing, frothing at the mouth over it. So, but I like, boy, that's weird. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't know. I, I well, what you fully expected is is Hannity and everybody to get up there and say fire Rosenstein, fire Rosenstein, fire Rosenstein, and then in a couple of days he would, but, and then we're going down the path of him I trying to unravel the investigation. But I don't expect them to say that. I mean, maybe Hannity, but I do expect, I don't expect that because I think they're. Right, in that if he did that, uh, it would blow up. So if they have any, like, sense of wanting this man to stay the president, I think it's smart to be like, don't fucking fire him. Yeah, but they're also in the bubble. So, you know, who knows? Uh, This also goes along with, remember, this whole week there was this big thing where Trump was talking about trying to um, declassify texts and, and other things in terms of the Carter Page FISA memo uh, from Comey, Page and Stroke, which I, I mean, what else are they going to get from Page and Stroke? More shit that says we don't like Trump? Okay, right. I think like the guy lost his, they both lost his job. Right. Like, what else do you want? Um, but especially Comey wants to go after Comey and prove he's part of that. Right. Um, and then immediately I thought like, okay, this could really backfire. This could be like the Nunes memo where now you're going to reveal a bunch of shit that, that proves like Carter Page is horribly guilty and was definitely working with the campaign while everybody knew he was a Russian spy. Right. Or even worse. Right. 
Uh, I, and then at the all last for, all minute, for a few texts where Comey says, "God, this Trump's a real idiot." Like, right. And then at the last minute, he was like, "Oh, I'm not going to declassify any of these things." Yeah, and people thought that that was part of the New York Times thing, but nobody's really sure. So it's been a really, really bizarre, confusing, confusing 24 week. hours, yeah. and, and and we can't make sense of it. No. So, no, no. Sorry, so but no. next week is going to be some week in politics. Yeah. Oh boy, strap in, hold on to your butts. Shit is gonna get weird. Yeah. Ah. That's all I can say for you. So if you're the kind of person <laughs> who just casually watches MSNBC now and then, eh, carve out at least a half hour a night to tune in one any any show from Hayes through Lawrence O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Yeah, I prefer Matto, but yeah, avoid all the other shit. Yeah. Yeah. Avoid Brian Williams and avoid... Uh, Brother Chris. Who, who, Chris Matthews. Ugh. Oh, Jesus. Unless you want to see him talk over women. If you get off on seeing an old man talk over women, then, then watch Chris that's Matthews. That's your Jimmy Jam and you shouldn't be listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. No. Uh, what else? What else we got? Well, we could talk about local politics for a minute. Yeah, let's talk about Colorado just a little bit. There was one more thing I wanted to talk about nationally, and it slipped my mind. So, yeah, let's go Colorado. All right. So, some interesting things are going on in the great state of Colorado. Um, it's a very contentious uh, year in our state um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, there's some really interesting redistricting stuff that's going on uh, that I've worked on. Um that is going to make the ballot. So we have a referendum system in Colorado where you can have a certain number of people sign petitions. Um, They have to be registered voters. They have to come from every district in the state as of a new law passed in 2016. Um, And they have to be certified. um, And usually you want to collect a whole bunch more than what the requirement is because a lot of times um, people sign them multiple times or people sign them who aren't registered to vote or they're out of state people. There's all these rules anyway. So one of the things on the ballot is going to be about, well, there's actually like, I think going to be six initiatives that are referendums that are going to make the ballot, um, about redistricting. And that's important for everybody everywhere. Right. But Colorado, um, is particularly interesting because we've seen such a huge population boom in the state, particularly in Denver, um, due to, there's lots of jobs, it's beautiful, pots, you know, legal. Um, but a lot of companies have moved here and have moved people here. And so the redistricting is really important because, um, the population has shifted. Um, and redistricting obviously is based on where people live and that's how many like representatives you get. Yeah. Just like nationally. And so they're trying to change the map and not just change the map, but change the way the map's decided. And it seems like um, there's some warring factions that are, I'm not going to get into too much, but um, yeah, so we're going to have some some redistricting fights. And uh, right now, like the Democrats drew the map last time in our state. And it definitely benefits the Democratic Party in our state. Uh-huh. Um, and so a lot of Democratic operatives would like to keep it the way that it is. And so they are flooding the initiative and referendum process with things so that if there's... Because if you think about it, if there's seven things about redistricting on the ballot, people tend to just vote no on all of them. Right. Right? It gets too confusing. You don't know which one's which. So you just vote fucking... Just keep it the way it is. 
And so a lot of operatives in our state would like it to stay that way. <laughs> and then yeah. there's this organization that um, formed with Kent Theory, who is a Republican operative in the state of Colorado, as well as uh, the owner of DeVita, which you may have heard of from um, John, John Oliver and various other things. Mm-hmm. He started this thing called, uh, I think it's called Fair Elections Colorado. And he is a person who is backed by Koch Brother Money mm-hmm. and has done lots of things like Preposition 107 and 108 back in 2016, which made um, independents be able to vote in primaries. Mm-hmm. That was a Kent Theory thing. Um, and so while he, while it seems like, oh, this is a thing to make it fair, we're going to have independent people come and look at the map, um, it's actually um, pretty toxic and, and makes it so that there's no transparency. The public doesn't get to pick who the people are. Um, we don't even get to really know who they are. We don't get to know the metrics by which they um, do the redistricting. So then there's this liberal group that's fighting against them. And then I guess they sort of came to a um, an agreement and they're working together now, which is problematic. But anyway, then we have a race for governor in our state. We have some of the most extreme term limits in the country when it comes to running for uh, state office. So John Hickenlooper, who you might want to keep in your back pocket as a name to remember for 2020, because he's definitely going to fucking run for president. Oh, God. He is a boring, milk toast white guy, but Democrat. Um, he's, fi- he's fine. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. No, except oil and gas. Yeah. Well, uh, but that's yes. Colorado. Yes. Um, former uh, owner of a brewery, um, but just a real boring guy. Very modern. Boring guy who tries to not be boring. Like he jumps out of airplanes for ads and he... Pretends to be a rock and roller, and but he's just a boring white guy. Like, like he's such hey, a Colorado I, white guy in his fifties. I mean, he's just, I just like the epitome of that. Dad jokes and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's just um, so boring. He's gonna run for president in twenty twenty. Just so you know, he's a great uh, VP candidate yeah. type. Yeah. <laughs> Miltos boring. I mean, he, yeah, and he's just not dynamic at all. No. He's not charismatic. He's not no. a great public speaker. That's why he does things like jumps out of planes, right? Because he, he can't. He doesn't have the charisma on. He his doesn't own. at all. He yeah. doesn't. I mean, he's 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 been a fine governor. Yeah, he's been a fine fine leftish governor. Yeah, moderate to leftish yeah. governor. Yeah. yeah, that's why I said ish. Yeah, so he's going to run for president in 2020. But the reason he's not running for governor again is because he's term limited. You can only serve two terms as governor in our yeah. state. So we have this really interesting race right now. Jared Polis, who is currently a U.S. senator, um, I'm sorry, U.S. congressman out of Colorado uh, CD6. Um, Boulder? No, 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 not CD6, four. Yeah, uh, Boulder. Boulder's the most liberal place in the whole state, right? Everybody mm-hmm. calls it the, what, the... Berkeley of Colorado. Republic of Boulder, yeah. and it's all these socials. It's just a bunch of gross liberal white people in Boulder. <laughs> we can get into that later, but anyway. Granola eating white people with <clears throat> dreadlocks and... They shop at Whole Foods com- and they... Compost in their compost apartments. And they step over the homeless people um, yeah. as they walk to Whole Foods with their you know, reusable bags. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Jared Polis is the congressman uh, out of that district, and he's running for governor. He is a gay man, which would be the first gay person to ever be the governor of our state. 
He is pro pot. He was a big proponent of uh, legalization of marijuana. Uh, everybody is now like no, even, but I mean he Corey. is he is like <laughs> yeah, he's one of the from first. the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. Like this is a thing that should be legalized. He, he, he was back when it was kind of eh, right. And they were yeah. like, well, of course, he's from Boulder. They smoke pot down there. Um, <laughs> they do way more than that. Yeah. So, but no. So he's a real liberal guy, very a liberal um, candidate, which but a rich is, guy. Very. But a self-made rich guy. Correct. Which is interesting. Yes. And the Republicans are trying to attack him for that. Yes. He's a self-made rich guy from the tech world. He has thrown millions of dollars into his various campaigns over the years. Because um, he can. Yep. And in some ways that makes him less um, corruptible. He doesn't in theory, need... In theory. He doesn't really need anybody else's money. They said that about Trump too, though. <laughs> I'm not comparing. I'm just saying they said that about Trump. Right. And then we so. have this guy, Walker Stapleton. and Just, just the name says it all, kind of. You don't. <laughs> yeah. You don't. You don't live in Colorado. You probably don't know the Stapletons, but it's a, a well, legacy. Very, very close to the Bush family. It's a legacy, yeah, in Colorado. Um, I think he's related, actually, to... Yeah, he looks kind of like, like Jeb. A, a cousin second or, or third cousin of the Bush uh, He's got that, that round, punchable face, yeah. But interesting, though, a little history about the Stapletons. Uh, his great-grandfather was the mayor of Denver. Yeah. Um, and then I think maybe was even became the governor of Denver, but was a Klansman. Very famous KKK member back in the day. He doesn't include those in his ads when he talks about his family heritage. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I just, maybe um, he forgot. Maybe he forgot. <laughs> uh, his great-great-grandfather, real famous for um, being a Klansman, and mm-hmm. when he was in positions of power in the state, which he was in a lot of, he would stack um, his administration with Klansmen and was sort of just did their bidding, whatever they wanted him to do. Nice. That was kind of hidden for a while, and so... Uh, back in the day, our airport was called Stapleton Airport. Yes. Before we had DIA. Yeah. There is a city called Stapleton. There is yeah, a, a city. It's just kind of a village between Denver and Aurora. Right. And they're renaming it uh, currently. Because of the Klan thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's his heritage is the, the Ku Klux Klan. Um, so they're battling it out. But Polis uh, hasn't gone there. No. No. He has not. He I doesn't. You don't think he needs to. I don't think so either. I think that's smart. But the thing that came out this week, or maybe it was last week, um, was that there's these campaign ads that are being run against Jared Polis that are just fucking false. So he didn't pay taxes um, through, I think the period was 2001 to 2005. And, he didn't pay any taxes. And you'll explain why. And they're running this ad that's saying that he evaded paying taxes and that, you know, he didn't pay his fair share and he's this millionaire, but he didn't pay any taxes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that he was hiding his money in the Cayman Islands and that's why he didn't have to pay taxes. This is literally an ad that, they, that the uh, Republican Governors Association is running all over the place. In yeah, the I've seen it like 50 times. Yeah. Here's what actually is true. Um, and he's suing them to take these down. Um Jared Polis did not pay taxes through that period because he was running a bunch of tech startup companies mm-hmm. and he was taking a loss of income during that period. And so he didn't owe any taxes. Right. Which is why he didn't pay any taxes. You don't pay taxes, you don't owe. Once those companies went into the black and started to become profitable, he paid about $15 million in taxes a year and has done so every year since. So it is just not true that he's evading taxes. He didn't hide any money. He didn't. He was losing money. That's what happens when you have a tech startup. You lose yeah. money for a while. Pretty much any startup. You go in debt. And then if you're successful, which he was wildly successful, then you start making a bunch of money and then you start paying taxes, but you don't pay taxes that you don't fucking owe. Yeah, it's like 
all the stuff that the Republicans claim that they care so much about, like self-starter, entrepreneurship, small business. Bootstraps. Bootstraps. Like, he did all that, and now they're trying to use it against him. Yeah, he's just some rich guy who's out of touch, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Who... And, and the party of Trump is 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 back on the don't pay your taxes bandwagon. I mean, really, you really want to talk about taxes right now? When when Trump himself said it's good when you don't pay your taxes, and no, you can't even see my returns. Like, come on, man. It's, it's just a crazy level of hypocrisy. But Stapleton is trying to separate himself from Trump and not doing a very good job at that. <laughs> How can you? Right. How um, can you? Yeah. So that's that's kind of our little local flavor. Well, let's also talk about Kaufman. Mm, right. That's CD6, Colorado District 6, congressional race. Uh, Mike Kaufman. We've talked about him before. He's a very formidable guy. We can't seem to fucking beat him, uh, even a little. Yeah, he's an institution. He is. He's really tough. He used to be married to the um, current, uh, what's Cynthia Kaufman, Attorney General? Yeah. Yeah. A.G. Cynthia Kaufman, they got a divorce last year, which was weird because they were both running for office. But anyway, um, yeah, he's a Republican in a really interesting district. It's in it covers most of Aurora um, and some of Denver. Um, and it's a really diverse district. It has a really um, large population of Ethiopian and Eritrean citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting voting block, sort of if you think about a mini version of like Miami and like the, the Cuban population. Um, they're sort of uh, the older Ethiopian and Eritrean immigrants um, are kind of conservative and very concerned about what's going on back home. There's also a, a, um, a geographical divide among Ethiopian people, apparently. There's like because of the revolution that happened in Ethiopia, they're like the southern and the northern sort of people don't like each other and they have really different values. Anyway, it's a pretty big voting block in his district, and he's really done a good job at going to their um, church services and their cultural um, celebrations and dinners and, and kind of uh, he proposed a, a, a bill that got passed about uh, basically shaming the Ethiopian government. It had no teeth, but the his district loved it, right? So he's he's popular and he's a veteran. Yes. And we've never run a veteran and the Democratic Party hasn't against this guy. Till now. Till now. So Jason Crow comes along. Um and he's great. He's young, he's dynamic, he's We've talked about him before. Remember, the Levi Tilleman is mm-hmm. the guy who was trying to primary, trying to primary him, him, and, got and the Democratic Party came out to Colorado or called him right, and he recorded that phone call, and he's in the pocket of the Democrats. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so right from the Karl Rove playbook, they're taking the strength of the opponent and trying to use it against him. Correct. So he's a veteran. He's a combat veteran. He served three tours in Afghanistan, and um, I mean, right? He's a combat veteran yeah and he's in his early 40s he's you know young and charismatic and he's great and he's liberal and he's great and so they're running these ads about how so he's a lawyer right Mm -hmm. and when he was an associate he worked at a law firm and when his law firm took on a client who um there was some litigation having something to do with the va i think or something like that um they're trying to say that, so when you're an associate at a law firm, you have zero control over your work. Yeah. You, you basically 
partners take in clients and then they give all the work to the associates and take all the credit. Right. And you have no control over who your clients are, what the work you do is. You can't refuse work. It's just you, you're, you're a grunt for the partners. And they, they do this all the time. And the Democrats do it too. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but I'm telling you from having from working in this environment, like this is this is a bullshit attack. Oh, no, We should is, stop it doing it. It is. And, I'm, I'm saying it. Yeah, yeah everybody but everybody does, does it. Because it's like, oh, as a lawyer, he Jason defended Crow these defended. awful it's, people. It's like and it's he like, had no, no he say had nothing, it. nothing to say about it. He just had to work. He was at work. Yeah, it's like he might as well have worked in the mailroom and you make that argument. Right, right, right. Um, and then, yeah, so they're like, he's bad for veterans. And you're like, he is a fucking veteran. And they tried to pin, they tried to blame the VA uh, yeah. going way over budget on him somehow. Right. He's never held public office. So he has no control over the VA budget or policy or or contracts or anything else. He's never run, he's never held public office. So he has no way of having any control over that. Yeah. The person who's currently in that position, which is Mike Kaufman, we could talk about how he's been the congressperson for that district where the VA hospital exists and was massively over budget and um, over timeline and it was just a kind of a nightmare for the state but it's yeah. done now anyway so that's going to be a really interesting race it, this might be the only time we've ever had a chance really at beating Mike Kaufman and that would be another house seat yeah it would and uh, that would be it, a flipped it's still, house seat it's still a lean Republican seat because of you know Mike Kaufman's really good at campaigning he, he's an incumbent and he's, been and he's popular and yeah, so. we've never beat. He's never lost an election. Did you know that? that Since the first me. time he ran for public office, he's well, never lost an election. You know, with the with the makeup of how we think the electorate's going to be, and the, the hopefully the wave is what it is. Um, but it's tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, I would say it still probably favors Kaufman, but I think we have the best chance yeah, that we've had. That in, we've had, and forever. polls uh, around those two have tightened quite a bit in some polls. Crows up about four the, points. The last few I've seen, he's ahead. Yeah, he's ahead by about four points, but the margin is like three. Yeah. So it's really tight. But I think that the built-in, you know, factor goes to Kaufman. You would have to say. I don't know. Not this year. I don't we'll know. See. We'll see. But it's a race to keep your eye on, and if you care about winning, flipping a house seat, you can donate to Jason Crow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't live in our state, that's a good chance. It really is one of the best chances we have in this state because the rest of them, I think, yeah, are that's, set. It's tough to get people excited about because of of the 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 gradient of garbage people running for the U.S. Congress. Like Kaufman is mild; yeah. he's only a semi-gross Republican. Right. <laughs> when we hit twenty twenty, y'all, we're going to talk about Cory Gardner, and you're going to fucking donate to whoever runs uh, against him. Well, I kind of think he's a dead man walking. He's he may not just, even run. I don't know. Yeah, but a anyway, closing thoughts. We got a couple of minutes left. Closing thoughts. Um, men are trash. <laughs> <laughs> Except for all of you lovely listeners. Um, no, I just think, you know, uh, maybe be extra nice to the ladies in your life. and Be extra empathetic and listen to them. Listen. Just maybe ask them and listen and, you know, believe them. Yeah, don't try to jump in and explain things when they're t trying to tell you things. Yeah. So, listen. Just listen. listen. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I have been Travis. Rachel. Next week is going to be quite a week in politics, so we will be here to give you the full digest of it next Saturday. And who knows if it's going to be good, bad, indifferent, crazy, disgusting, probably a little bit of all that. Yep. Uh, stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Find us on Twitter at IrreverentDuo, testimony at gmail.com for your love notes. And uh, that's it. We will talk to you next week. Adios.